Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you have a Bible tonight, turn to Acts chapter 8. Part 2 in our series, Philip the Evangelist. Acts chapter 8 verse 26. Acts 8 verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charged all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scriptures which he read was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearers, his silence, he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. And as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called Philip away, so the eunuch saw him no more. Saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Amen. You know, in this passage of Scripture, we find three characters. Three characters. The first one is, quite obviously, the Ethiopian eunuch. This man who was uh, one of the top officials in the administration of <coughs> Queen Candace, of the Queen of Ethiopia. The Bible says he was the Chancellor of the Exchequer, equivalent to someone who lived at number 11. He was that kind of person. And you can imagine in, in Ethiopia, he would probably have a palace all of his own. You know, he didn't have number 10 Downing Street. I always think that looks a bit pathetic for the Prime Minister of the UK. You know, he's got this terraced house. Next door is another terraced house, number 11. You know, I think, oh, those are the residents of the Prime Minister and the residents of the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Well, I guess he had something even more than that. I guess he'd have his own palace, you know. He certainly had his own servants, his own entourage. Here's a man with position. Here's a man with, with means, a man with money, a man who controlled money, Chancellor of the Exchequer. He's pretty well off. 
wealth and privilege, position and power. And, you know, he just clicks his fingers. His servant, do this. And the servant does it. He says, you know, I want a, a latte with double shots, skinny, you know, get it for me. And they get it. You know, anyone like that? Have servants running here back and call. Anything you want, you can buy. He has all of this. And yet this story tells us in Acts 8 that despite all this influence and all that he had, inside this man is emptiness. Emptiness. It was that great evangelist, the late Billy Graham, who said, inside of every human being is a God-shaped blank. A God-shaped blank. You know, people try and fill that God-shaped blank with all kinds of things. It, it, it might be, let's earn more money. Let's, oh, oh, for some, they might try to drink and drugs. Think, okay, I'll satisfy this inner emptiness. Some will just, more more pleasure, more and more holidays, more and more this, more and more that. Let's get fit, let's go to the gym more often. Some it might be sex or religion or something. They, they try all kinds of things. It's God-shaped. It's God-shaped. Only God can fill the emptiness of the human heart. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 and verse 11 that God has put eternity in the heart of every man. Even the die-hard atheist, agnostic, humanist, whoever, God placed eternity in the heart of every man. You know, today we're speaking on evangelism. If I might just digress for a second. Recognize that. When you're speaking to people, God has put eternity in the heart of every man. Recognize we're more than just physical beings. We're body, soul, and spirit. Oh, the Bible actually looks at the other way around. We're spirit, soul, and body. We need to recognize that and be very conscious and aware of that. That then we share about eternal things, when we share about a relationship with God. On the surface, they might say, Ah, oh, no, no, that's all theft. But deep inside, there's an inner emptiness. Deep inside, God has placed eternity in the heart of every man. And they know it. So don't be put off by the veneer, by the, the apparent blockage they might put up. God has placed eternity in every heart. And so it was with this Ethiopian eunuch. He had everything you think he could want, but he had this inner emptiness. We know that from the story because he thought, I've got to do something about it. And maybe someone had said to him, look, there's a temple in Jerusalem. The God of the Jews is the living God. And maybe he thought, wow, if I can get to that temple, if I can get to that religious place, then maybe, maybe there, I'll find that which satisfies this inner emptiness, this, this something inside that feels unfulfilled. I'll find it. I'll find it. And so the text tells us that he makes his way to Jerusalem. And maybe he went 
entered through the Damascus gate or one of those gates, he saw the city. Wow! What an amazing city. And, and the temple was obviously there. Because they're nice, just the golden mosque. But then there was the temple and it was, it looked amazing building with the steps going up. And I thought, wow, this is impressive. And you see the priests and you see all of this kind of thing. And thinking, okay, maybe somebody directed them. Okay, you're a stranger here. You're obviously not from these parts because you'd be a black African. Okay, so you've got to go through this particular gate. And maybe the gate that they'd be uh, directed to would be the gate that is called the Gate Beautiful. We read about in Acts 3 where the lame man got healed. A gate that was uh, ornate with silver and gold. And you think, wow, that's amazing. And as you look at the architecture and the structures, maybe for a moment he was awestruck. But then as he tried to progress further, they said, no, sir, you can't come any further. So the religious rules say, you can't come, you're not a Jew, you can't come beyond this point. You're not allowed, you've got to go over there, that's where the Gentiles go. The people outside of Israel, that's the place they worship. You can't go here, you can't do this, you can't do that. And suddenly, he was met with all kinds of religious restrictions and requirements and rules. He's left still empty inside. What he'd hoped would be the answer to the, the inner longing and emptiness was not being satisfied. And so the picture we get is of this man reluctantly still empty, his quest unfulfilled. He just thinks, okay, I'll buy something as a memento of my journey at least. Let's buy a portion of the Jewish scriptures. And he gets sold a piece of a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. And he buys that. And we find him on his way home trying to read it. He's reading a passage that we've all read, Isaiah 53 or part of it. But he can't make sense of it. No, even their scriptures I can't make sense of. Can you imagine how he's feeling? He's traveled all that way and now he's, he's, he's just reading, he can't make sense. Will I ever find satisfaction for this inner emptiness? So that's our first character that I want us to think about tonight. The Ethiopian eunuch. But then we move to character number two. So let's just recap a bit on him from even this morning. And that's Philip, the evangelist. Philip, the evangelist, as he's called later in the Acts of the Apostles. When we start to read about Philip, we find him, as we saw this morning, first of all, in John chapter 1. He lives in Bethsaida by Galilee, the same as Peter and Andrew and James and John. And, and one day he's out and this stranger comes along that maybe he'd heard about it, uh, this teacher from Galilee, this teacher from Nazareth. And this teacher says to him words that he thought he'd never ever hear in his life. Come, follow me. 
We saw this morning that, that every Jewish young man, their desire was after their bar mitzvah to be selected and to, to, to go through the various training and studies and, and for eventually for, to be selected and a rabbi say, come, follow me. That was the ultimate for a Jewish young man and for a Jewish family, for their son to be called to, to follow a rabbi. But the majority, they never made it past their bar mitzvah, age 12. And they'd be sent off just to get a trade and a job. And, and they'd be considered ignorant and unlearned. They didn't make it. And for Philip, this young rabbi comes called Jesus. And he says those words he thought he'd never hear. Come, follow me. Philip thinks, wow, me? I'm undeserving. I don't, I don't merit this. I'm unworthy. But all oh, the grace of God through Jesus reached out to Philip. And Philip becomes a follower. Overwhelmed by grace. He leaves everything and follows the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I want to re-emphasize tonight. Step one in becoming an evangelist. Step one in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And before we can share the good news with others, we need to have been overwhelmed by it ourselves. When we're overwhelmed by God's love, when we're overwhelmed by God's grace, we're in a good position to start sharing it with others. And Philip was overwhelmed. It wasn't long before he was getting Nathaniel. Philip the evangelist, we see it his ministry beginning almost straight away when he gets Nathaniel and brings him to Jesus. Then we went on to Acts chapter 6 and saw some other characteristics about Philip the man. The Bible there talks about him as being of good reputation, full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. He lived the life. He believed God's word. He lived God's word. When he saw situations, he saw them as God saw them. How important that is. People, if, they want to, if they're going to listen to our message, need to see that we are people who live the life and we believe, we live what we believe. It's okay to throw lots of words at people, but if they don't see it in our life being acted out, then our message is not credible. Our message is not believable. They must see that we believe it and we live it for it to be credible. Then persecution breaks out. And Philip, he's got a young family, we discover later, he has to run. He thinks, where should I go? And he goes to a city in the Samaria. Samaria, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. He thought, maybe we'll be safe there. And he gets to this city in Samaria. And we pick it up in Acts chapter 8. But maybe as Philip looks, he sees broken, hurting, sick, needy people. And his heart goes out to them. That's what happens when we live in the presence of Jesus, when we've been overwhelmed by his grace and love, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. The love of Christ constrains us. 
If when you see hurting people and needy people and sick people and your heart is not moved, it's time to get back into God's presence. It's time to seek God and to say, Lord, break my heart for what breaks your heart. It's time to say, Lord, let my heart beat with your heartbeat. Because all of us, if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, should be moved when we see people like that. Philip was. Philip was. I don't know how it all began, but as I said this morning, I think that Philip, he went to the market square, saw these needy people, and saw perhaps somebody was sick, and he said, oh, go over to that one. I can only think of it in the way that perhaps I would approach it. I say, look, can I pray for you? I mean, they had no NHS, they had no social security, they had no sickness benefit. This begged and they couldn't work, that's all they left to do is beg and maybe you saw someone like that can I pray for you? And he, yeah, go ahead and he prays for this person a mightily healed, a paralyzed person I guess a crippled person begins to leap and walk and jump and wow, suddenly the whole market square is listening and soon everybody wants to hear and as we saw this morning uh, as Philip then preaches Christ and preaches the kingdom of God that people can have a relationship with God and know the rule of God by the spirit of God in their lives and he preaches the name of Jesus and even the demons have to flee at that name and great miracles signs and wonders start occurring all over the place and there's great joy it says in that city wow we can do that. If we're open to the Holy Spirit and see somebody in need, can I pray for you? We can all share the message of Christ who died and who rose again. We can all tell people we can have a relationship with God by sharing our own testimony and story of our relationship with God. We can all do that. But it doesn't end there. The next thing we find is that Peter and John, they hear about it at Jerusalem and they're sent down to see what's going on. And by then, there are people being saved and being baptized and great things are happening. And Peter and John come and it even gets better because it says the apostles prayed for them and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Can you imagine that? I, I don't know how many people were talking about it. He uses language of a city. Well, maybe it's not quite like our size cities, like Bristol, Cardiff. It might be something a bit smaller, but even so, he sounds like a lot of people. It doesn't say village. It doesn't say town. It's city. So we're talking about hundreds, maybe thousands. Can you imagine the atmosphere when thousands of people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine even majority here might have I've been to a meeting and got filled with the Holy Spirit and what a meeting that was and the power of God came and you felt God's presence just flooding all over you and immersing in you and bubbling up inside of you and began speaking languages you never learned and so on. Wow, it was amazing. Can you imagine what it would be like when you're in a meeting where thousands receiving the Holy Spirit and the sick are being healed and miracles are occurring? Wow. It was amazing. God, do it again, do it again. Yet, yet, 
in the middle of that revival, for that's what it was, Verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. I wonder how many of us would listen to a word like that. You're in revival. Thousands being saved. Miracles. People being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wow. And you're the one who was instrumental in all beginning, don't forget. And now you hear this voice. You see this angel. It says, go to Gaza. Go to the desert place. For this is desert. I wonder if I stop right now and say, come on, hands up. Let's do an honesty test. How many would go? You know, revival meeting, presence of God so powerful. Go to desert. I mean, I think, wow. Before I make my next point, just say in passing, a key part of being a successful soul winner a key part in being a good evangelist we're all called to be evangelists I shared this morning that evangelists are given for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry we're all called to do it we're all called to go into the world and a key part of that is to have a, have a ear that listens a ear that listens you know in your day to day work or your day to day going about the community or at school or ever have a year that listens when God says go and speak to that one go and speak to that one I believe we need to have ears I say God let me hear let me hear who do you want me to speak to today we have ears to listen because God has when he knows we're available the Holy Spirit will speak it may be we speak We'll take the approach of, can I pray for you? It may be God will give us a word of knowledge about a situation or someone and say, you know, I'll, this might seem strange to you, but I believe God has just told me this for you. And you share that word of knowledge. Or maybe you just start talking to them and say, look, I see you're on your own. Can I just share something with you? But if we will start to be obedient to that voice, I believe God is wanting. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So I believe God is longing. There are people out there who are seeking. People out there looking for answers. People out there. And God is looking for a people who just listen. Who just listen. Oh, we might listen to His voice. The other thing I noticed from verse 26, as God speaks to Philip and says, go to the desert, what did it tell me? There's a revival going on. It's affecting thousands upon thousands. What does it tell me? God is concerned about individuals. 
You know, we get, we, 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 we watch the pictures of the Rana Bonke or Daniel Kalende and those kind of revivals and hear the stories of what Christ for all nations and people like that are doing and see thousands and thousands. You know, or if you're a bit more ancient, you might just like watching the, the, those things that comes up on the God Channel of the Billy Graham Crusades and thousands upon thousands. But let me tell you tonight, from the point of view of heaven, it's not the thousands, it's not the crowds. From the point of view of heaven, it's the individual. God loves individuals. Never, never let us forget that. It's about individuals. God doesn't look at us as numbers, doesn't look at us as vast quantities. God looks at us and loves us and cares for us and is concerned about us as individuals. You know, the great verse of Scripture we most of us could quote is John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he said, well, that's big. But he gave his only begotten Son. And here's the crunch bit, that whoever... It's individuals. That whoever, in that wide, wide world, that whoever calls upon his name for every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, whoever, God says, I hear. I'm about individuals. I'm about individuals. And if you had any doubt about that, we only have to look at the gospel, mess, the gospel stories of our Lord Jesus Christ. Already tonight, one has been referred to. John 4, the story of the woman at the well. I love it. It says, Jesus must needs go out of his way. Jesus does a detour. He saw a woman. It's midday. It's not the time you get water, but she's been ostracized by, by her fellow town folk in that place because she's been married, you know, so many times now she's, the man she's living with is not her husband. She's got a bit of a moral reputation, shall we say. You know, maybe she pinched one or two husbands that she shouldn't have pinched and all that, you know, that kind of thing. So, she's in a mess. She's been looking for, perhaps her, she was at an emptiness inside and she thought well, maybe a relationship with a man, that will fulfill it. If I find the right man, no, you're not the right one, let's try another one. No, you're not the right one, let's try another one. No, you're not the right one, let's try another one. Must be another one. Mr. Right has got to be there somewhere. Can't afford any more wedding dresses. So eventually she just starts living with one. And in her emptiness, but Jesus must needs go out of his way. So that well at noonday to reach her. Yes, the conversation began with something common to them both, water, and they're thirsty. But it gets into living water. It gets into worship. It addresses her situation about the fact that life is not right. And she receives him as the Christ, as the Messiah, the Savior. Hallelujah. It's an individual. It's an individual. The woman who touched is an individual. The leper is an individual. Zacchaeus is an individual up a tree. The thief on the cross is an individual. Lord, remember me. Today you should be with me in paradise. Oh, there's just a few examples. You read the Gospels, you'll find that, yes, the crowds came. Yes, he fed 5,000. Yes, he did this. Yes, he did that. But the, the majority of the stories are not about crowds. They're about individuals. It's about individuals. And we need to get back to that. 
You think, oh, God could never use me to reach large amounts of people. He doesn't want to. He wants you to reach an individual. He wants you to be listening. So you reach one. He wants you to be living a life of light and love and, and, and being a witness and that you can reach one. Lord, show me one. He will. If we're open, he will. I couldn't, I don't know what to say to them. You don't have to. Just share testimony. Just offer to pray for them. It's one. One. The glory of the latter house should be greater than the former. How's it going to happen? One by one. One by one. Hallelujah. God is interested in individuals. God loves individuals. God is concerned about individuals. And Philip, he listens to that voice, leaves the revival, leaves the thousands to go to the desert. And as he gets to the desert, there's the individual. Wow, God's timing is perfect. When God directs you, his timing is perfect. Because along the road is coming, the Ethiopian with his, probably his entourage. And Philip starts walking along and he sees that the Ethiopian is reading out loud from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, do you understand? No, I haven't got a clue what it means. I'm trying to read it out loud to see if that will help me get a sense of it, but I just don't understand it one bit. Wow, God's opportunity. God's opportunity. When we listen to God, God will lead us. The people are really seeking. The people are really hungry. The people are really empty inside. And so this leads us then to the third character in this story. If you're wondering what I mean, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Ethiopian says, jump up in the chariot and explain to me this scripture. Well, from a preacher's point of view, from a gospel preacher's point of view, it couldn't have been a better text. He's reading about Jesus, the Lamb of God. I don't know quite where Philip started. Maybe he might have said, look, there was a time when the Jewish people would bring their lambs and confess their faults of the lamb the lamb would be slain on their in their place and become the substitute and take the punishment of their sin but that to be repeated and repeated but god has promised to send a, a lamb in the person of his son the lord jesus christ that's who the prophet is speaking of he's a lamb who, who went to the cross who died for us and, and shed his blood for us and took the punishment of our sin in, in our our place and he hung there until he could cry out, It is finished! Once for all time, for all people, for all sin, never to be repeated. Wow. Maybe something of that is what Philip explained and spoke to the Ethiopian eunuch. We're not told what exactly happened on that chariot, but it would appear that as Philip preached to him Jesus, says in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning of this scripture, preached Jesus to him. It's by Jesus people were saved. 
There's no other name given under heaven where people can be saved except Jesus. And that Ethiopian opened up his heart and asked Jesus into his life. Hallelujah. Oh, it's Jesus who satisfies. It's Jesus who fills the inner emptiness. It's only a bit long, further along the road. They see some water, a pool of water. And the Ethiopian says, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? I guess when Philip gave him the whole works, he not only said, Receive Jesus, he said, But turn from your sin, accept him as your Savior, and then, as an outward sign of that, be baptized. Baptism, an act of obedience. Baptism, uh, an act of identification, identifying with the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Going down to the water up and up. Death, burial, resurrection. An act of confession. Old life ended, buried, new life begun. So they stopped the chariot. In front of all his entourage and all his servants. This, this chance of the exchequer. goes down to the water. Philip baptizes him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wow. What a, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful baptismal service. There in Gaza. Oh, would to God there be lots more baptismal services in Gaza. And, and then, what I love about it, is we get to verse 38. 39, so he commanded the chariot to stand some but Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called Philip away. Ah, translated by the Spirit. But the bit I want you to notice, so the eunuch saw him no more. And he, the eunuch, went on his way. Here's the crunch word. Went on his way rejoicing. Oh, when you accept Jesus when the inner emptiness is filled, filled. Wow, it's a reason for joy. Oh, I don't know. Wow, the weight is lifted. The burden is lifted. The burden of sin is gone. Oh, the emptiness is filled. And there's joy, joy, joy. Deep joy inside. Oh, you see more and more of that. The psalmist says in Psalm 40, He brought me up out of a horrible pit from the sinking mire. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my going and put a new song in my mouth. Even praise to our God. Wow, we need to see more joy in the house of people finding Christ and rejoicing in their salvation. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The God-shaped blank was filled. Praise the Lord. Philip the evangelist. That's part two. But oh, let's today, let's, you know, looking out, I guess everyone here loves Jesus, knows Jesus, but oh, let's get hold of the thoughts of Philip today. Overwhelmed by grace. Of good reputation. If you want to lead others to Christ, you've got to be living a life full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of the Spirit. We're leaky. We need to keep being filled. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, full of faith. 
open to God for signs and wonders and miracles, words of knowledge. Keep your message, keep our message simple. It's Christ. It's the kingdom of God, the rule of God by the Spirit of God. It's Jesus. And let's have ears. They're always on the listen. Go. Speak to this one. Go and speak to that one. God loves individuals. If we'll bear that in mind, then every one of us will become effective, powerful sharers of the good news. Evangelists. Amen. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.